How do you prepare for medical school while on the University of Utah men's basketball team? What is the latest research pertaining to ALS? How does it feel to return to your third year after medical school from being five years away to pursue a PhD? And what is the most important aspect of an MD-PhD application? Today on Talking Emissions and Med Student Life, I interview John, an MD-PhD student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, I have another great guest today, Jonathan, third-year medical student, but it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated. All right, we're, we're kind of doing a focus on uh, MD-PhDs. That's right. We're making a push for it. It's- we're making a push. So let's start at the beginning of this journey. Absolutely. Uh, when you like, why did you decide to apply to medical school? Uh, oh yeah. You know, that is funny. You always get that, ask that question, uh, in, in interviews, you know, it's funny that answer for me has changed over time. I think I would have given you a much different answer before medical school than I would now. Um, but why medicine and why medical school? I, it's, it's just a perfect, just a perfect joining of, you know, of like, it's so exciting to learn so much about the human body and understanding it inside and out, and then being able to apply that, um, to patient care and helping people. And so I think that's what it was always for me is, is I was always very interested in the sciences and in biology. I found it fascinating, but at the same time, um, I wanted to help people that that's what I enjoy doing is, is helping people that may be in worse situations than me or less fortunate or, Mm. Or, or in serious pain or suffering, and, and this was the best way to combine kind of those two interests for me, and so it just made sense. So I, I always knew I wanted to do it, and uh, exactly what I wanted to focus within medicine certainly has changed a lot since I started forever ago, it seems like. But uh, yeah, that was kind of what was my thinking in that. So did you grow up in Utah? I did. I was originally born in L.A., but mm-hmm. I moved here when I was very young in first grade. I grew up in Bountiful, Utah. Mm-hmm. So I'm a local. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, went to undergrad here, and I w- was a walk-on on the basketball team here for a couple of years. Shocking mm. to look at me. Being, yeah, how tall are you? I'm you like six, six seven. Yeah, six, seven. So, yeah, shocking. So a big six seven, a small <laughs> six seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it go either way. Uh, I made it up for it in attitude. So um, yeah, um, so yeah, I did that, and then I got into medical school here. Okay. And then yeah, so here I am. Still. So <laughs> I, I just have a couple questions about sure. your basketball yeah. days. Uh, sure. Uh, were you known as like the brain on the team or I did, was, did yeah. you kind of hide your medical no, aspirations? No, as or? a walk on, no, I, no, they were very, very much new where, where my, my, my goals were. I had no believe I was not good enough to be doing anything serious playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is kind of the walk on's job to hold the great GPA to some extent. That is true. Okay. And it was, there was no illusion. They recruited you for your GPA. Yeah, absolutely. Had I not had a good GPA, there was no way I was getting on that team. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I knew, I knew what my job was. So, um, I mean, see. did you have like tryouts? I mean, how does someone walk yeah. on to a division one? You know, it team? really depends. That year, um, they must have knew of you. Right? Yes, yeah. I had had meetings with them. Absolutely. Um, and it, then that's a whole nother story how I got there. But um, yes, yeah, so they had tryouts that particular year. 
And yeah, I went out and there, I wish I could tell you how many guys came out. There was a lot. And I'm, and to this day, I'm astounded I actually made the cut because there were guys a lot better than me out there. Um, and. So 100 guys running, oh, plus. running drills, oh, playing yeah. five on five. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Running drills, you know, okay. playing, um, you know, playing live games like that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and you know, they I think they had about four rounds and yeah, everyone has just seemed kept on making the cut and then i got the phone call saying hey yeah we want to bring you on it's like oh my gosh i love yeah. it the phone call yeah there's I, this image in like movies where they like they post a list on the door yeah did they do they still do that or is that kind of old-fashioned no but okay. they did do that in high school absolutely okay. no that is still a thing no people I, I, run up look at the list absolutely it's like run, oh, get angry get angry yeah, tears yeah. usually yeah, yeah that's usually how it works um yeah, no, I do remember distinctly exactly where I was standing and where, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was standing outside the Marriott Library when I got that phone call. Did they say, like, you're on the basketball team? Or yeah, it's like, you? yeah. But, or you're on the practice team, or what, what did they say? Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, we really like what you had to bring to the table, and uh, we think you'd be a good fit. Um, yeah, if we want to bring you on, you'll be here right it was like not a question. You'll be at practice tomorrow with like this, at, this, this. Five a.m. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. And then you immediately countered and said, "I want number." I want yeah. <laughs> it was thirty-one. Did yeah. you demand thirty-one? At uh, I originally wanted thirty-three, but I came to find out that I was retired. So thirty-one was <laughs> the next closest number I get. So. <laughs> All right. um, fascinating. Uh, yeah. Any correlation between basketball and medical school? Yeah, for sure. Um, the medical school is hard work, especially third year, and you work your butt off. Um, mm-hmm. And I think having like a, like a di- like being able to succeed academically and do D one sports is not an easy job. And so I think definitely the as far as like the structure of being able to study, I think it really set me up well for third year. I mean, you were working all the time in third year, and like then trying to find time to study outside of that is hard and you were exhausted all the time. And it's the last thing you want to do, <laughs> but I definitely think it gave me like a good foundation to, to, um, to be structured in my studying and mm-hmm. time management. So, and then being a team player, of course, like you were working with so many different people from different disciplines in uh, medicine. And I definitely think that set me up pretty well for that as well. So when a physician gets on you, it's like, come on, Jonathan, that's not, is that oh, kind of yeah. coach on practice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, the, the attendings here would have to do a lot worse to, to like <laughs> rattle my cage. The, yeah. Coach has said it's yeah, awful. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think attending physicians are allowed to say this, some of the things. That, no, that, absolutely like, not. I think you would, say, no, you yeah, would be yeah, reprimanded for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. All right. So you apply to med school. Got into med what, school. How did you have time for activities? Like, you know, cause I know we like, our application requires a fair amount. You have to yeah. shadow doctors, yeah. do some research, mm-hmm. and some volunteer work. I mean, how'd you, how'd you find the time? Oh man. When it was in season, it was difficult. Um, you know, as far as studying, like shoot, you'd study on the bus or the plane, but as far as like finding time to do stuff, you know, I mean, you fit it in, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able, for me, I'm a really social person. I really like hanging out with my buds and whatnot. And, you know, sure. I didn't get to see him every day, but yeah, I could, you can make time for the things you want to make time for and you can't do everything. And so I think it requires a lot of soul searching on your part to determine like what is important to you, what's going to fulfill you in your life. Um, but like, you can make time for those things. And I could, I still make time for those things in medical school. Um, I being physically active is super important to me and I still find time for that. Mm-hmm. And, and do I, do other things suffer as a result? Probably. Mm-hmm. I could see my family more often. Um, things like that. Um, so, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. Or not, so it sounds but like you had to make some sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. S- yeah. Sacrifices come with a territory. And I really think it comes down to just determining like what is going to make you happy in your life and making those a priority. Um, 
and that and that's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, and I assume the basketball team had some outreach stuff. I mean, did you did you oh, combine yeah. some activities in a way? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I did actually get a lot of my volunteering experience through the team. Um, uh, so yeah, we did a lot of like trat, like not like marathon type things and outreach and like going to homeless shelters and you know and and help and things like that so yes i did get a lot of my outreach through that um i was also in the greek system in undergrad and did a lot through that as well um interesting so um sounds like you had like a really great undergrad experience undergrad is great playing it's, basketball yeah the greek life yep i had zero complaints playing, in my uh, studying for med, taking pre-med courses yeah yeah cap test prep yep yeah. yep all that stuff wow sounds yeah. busy it was busy but i loved it undergrad was great all right so you come here to the u came to Tim School, TV, that's right yeah and it sounds like you made a really a fairly big decision early i on. did yeah so, walk so, us through that so um so I, I guess I should say I took a gap year between undergrad and med school. I felt uh, – as far as getting into med school, I did have a lot of volunteering, but I felt like my research was lacking. And it was. I had zero research up to that point. Um, and so in order to become a better applicant, I, I decided to take a year off and mm-hmm. I um, – in a weird turn of events, got befriended, uh, and I think he's well, pretty well known now, Dr. Schiffman. Uh, we actually took a class. My senior, we took human evolutionary genetics together my senior year, and he was kind of getting he's the, it. He's the elephant cancer he's guy. He's the elephant cancer guy. And so yeah. this is when he, he was starting to get interested in cancer genetics, and he wanted to learn more more about genetics. And so we took a class together in, our, in my undergrad. He's a phys- practicing physician at this point. So it was kind of funny. And for those of you who don't know, uh, apparently elephants don't get cancer. No. So there's a lot of research into why elephants that don't is get correct. cancer. And hopefully that can apply that's right. to and humans that, one day. That's yes. correct. Yeah. And so he had a big paper, I believe it was in JAMA, I believe yeah. a year or two ago, kind of explaining that. It's, it's some fun work. Um, but this is pre-cancer. Pre, pre, yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of befriended him, and he uh, invited me actually to come be a tech in his lab for a year. Um, and so I, I totally lucked out big time on that, and I recognized that. So, yeah, I, I decided to take that year off to work with him, and I just fell in love with research. Um, it, it, Yeah, it's fascinating. And that was also about the time I'm applying for medical school, and it was a little bit too late to – apply for mdph that that point you know the application cycle already began so yes i applied to med school got in here at the u thankfully and um during my time i as i started to walk away from my research i I really realized i missed it and it it satisfied an itch that you just don't quite get with medicine Mm -hmm. um and so yeah in my second year of medical school i decided that i wanted to join the mdph program i really wanted to continue developing my research skills and, and, and expand my research knowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so did you go through, like, did you like an interview or did you I have to like, write an essay? I mean, what's yeah, like, uh-huh. like, the current MD student? Yeah. So know? it is not nearly as, as, <laughs> as rigorous as, okay. as doing, uh, the, the med, the med school application. Uh, although the application is much different now than it was then. Um, but, um, yeah. So yes, you do have to like write an essay about like what your research experience is and why you want to do it. And, and I think there might have been two essays. Like one is like specifically outlining what you've done, and the other being like, okay, well, why do you want to like sacrifice you know all this time <laughs> to come do this, which is a legitimate question. Um, and then you know just typical stuff, looking like your MCAT scores, step one scores, because mm-hmm. by that time you've taken step one. Um, or I had, no, it's not true actually. Um, but yeah, looking at your MCAT scores, your grades, 
um, and um, how you've done in school. And so, and then yes, you interview, you only interview one day as opposed to two days. Like, um, and did you kind of pick like at that time, kind of what yeah. lab you were interested in, or is it more kind of broad? Or? Um, I had a pretty good idea of where I wanted to go. And so, yeah, the people I interviewed with, uh, on the PhD side were people who I thought would mesh pretty well with my research interests. And they do try to doing that with the PhD interviews, trying to match you up with people that match what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had a pretty good idea where I wanted to go. I, in my, um, working with Josh naturally, I studied a lot of genetics and, can, um, and, uh, genomics, which I found fascinating. And so at that, for people who don't know, what's the difference? Uh, gen- <sighs> you know, I, I'm sorry you, to play on this. Spot. No, I, people use those terms a little. So, I mean, when people, so genetics is a very broad term that encompasses, you know, uh, heritable traits and that, and that can be, um, anything ranging from like mouse genetics, seeing how like different traits in mice, you know, mm-hmm. segregate, and, and like what genes impact those particular traits. Whereas genomics is actually specifically involves like using um, nowadays using. Mm, it's like therapies, like intervention. Kind of. No, it's more like dealing with like technology and how it's like better assay the human genome okay. and like the met, the computational methods that come along with it, along with the test technical aspects to bet, to help us better understand once again, coming back to genetics, those traits um, that are infected by mm-hmm. by genetic factors and things like that. So you're so, definitely leaning towards that direction. Yeah. So yeah. I knew I, I'm really I'm fascinated by using genetic information and how that impacts uh, um, uh, therapy or or, or um, healthcare decisions. That that's really what I the things I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, next generation sequencing, so sequencing in the human genome was just just starting to become available to labs at that time. We were still using what's called microarray, which is like you get an assay, little parts of the genome, but not not the full thing. It's what 23andMe does now where mm-hmm. you get little markers in the genome. Um, but that, And so that's what was being mostly used at that time. But like I said, next generation sequencing was just getting off the ground um, in labs. And really the only lab at that time that was doing it, this is about 2012, was Lynn Jordy's lab. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I need to get in on that action. Um, and I did. So, yeah, um, when I got into the program, I did one rotation, which is like two less than you should be doing. Um, uh, and yeah, so. Um, so first of all, when they let you in, like when they accept you the MD, PhD program. Did they go back and help pay for the first year's med school? I uh, knew no, you're on the hook for that. Oh, so. <laughs> snap. Right. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, uh, when you join the MD PhD program, uh, they, they do pay for all of your school. Mm-hmm. Um, first year, second year, third year, fourth year. On top of that, you get a stipend and then they pay for your PhD education. So it, it, you know, it's not a bad deal, but yeah, no, I was on the hook for those first okay. two years and still am. So. And then when you start, when you got in, did you kind of have like this goal in mind? Like I'm going to get my PhD in three uh, years or five years. You know, or what did you tell yourself? Every, everyone, it's so hard. PhD is funny like that. It, it's so unlike with medical school. It's so structured and you know, exactly, not exactly what's expected, but you know, generally what the timetable is looking like in PhD. That is so not the case. Like, yeah, you, you, and, that, and it is a learning. It actually took me a lot of learning to to be able to handle this, I guess. But like, yeah, I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm getting out three, four years. I got out in five, and it, it's you can work your butt off 
so hard sometimes in PhD and, and the results sometimes just don't come. Mm-hmm. And then, and I kind of ran into that. I didn't really like sink my teeth into a really good finding until about two and a half years into it, really. And that was off the races, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that it will, it'll manifest itself mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. What, what's the name, so, what was the name of your thesis or your project? Oh, sir. And if you can explain no, it to no, the common folk. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's been a while since I've given the spiel, so let's, let's see if I can do this. Okay, so uh, the title was Serving the Genetic Risk Landscape of Amyotrophic Lateral Sclerosis in the Age of Next Generation Sequencing. Yeah. So uh, did I hear ALS? In there? ALS. Okay. So yes, so you heard Luke ALS. Disease. So yeah. short, short version, two sentence version. Um, my what I studied was uh, how genetics affect um, the pathogenic pathogenic mechanism of ALS, and basically trying to use genetic factors to determine like how much somebody's at risk for the disease, and also on top of that, um, sequ- uh, by looking at the genome, trying to find other genetic factors that we don't know of yet that might have a role in the disease. And so that was one of the big findings we had. We found from my, from my dissertation, we think we actually found a new gene responsible for ALS. So, um, wow. yeah. So what, what, I mean, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? The implication that, well, so, I mean, there's not with, so for those of you who don't know, ALS is a completely, it's a hundred percent fatal disease. Um, most people die within two to five years after diagnosis. Um, and clinically there's, not really much we can do. Like However, a neurodegenerative it's disorder. a neurodegenerative disorder, and that's pretty typical. There's there therapeutically not much you can do. However, I think where the importance of that is is in genetic counseling, mm-hmm. and we know that ALS is actually much more heritable. I think most people realize. Um, obviously, not a hundred percent, but genetic factors are important in it, and I think. If you know, if you if you yourself have a genetic dis, you know, genetic predisposition for ALS, I think it's important for maybe some of, if some of your family members, or if you're thinking about having children, I think um, um, that's really important important thing to know. Or if you're worried about what your risk is for it, and you have a family history, and you really want to know, I think that's kind of where it more comes in. So we're talking maybe a blood test down the road. Like that's right, almost like a screening test. Yeah, and that, we actually do that do that for a lot of the ALS patients here because a lot of them are enrolled in trials, and we do get DNA on, on a good majority of the patients that come through the motor neuron disease clinic here. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's fascinating because, like, I, in the news, to, you know, kind of combining like, mm-hmm. sports talk from earlier, I know like. I've been reading like that football players, yeah, know, people who have a lot of you know, uh, concussions or traumatic brain injuries, they're somewhat a higher disposition to have ALS. They and are been some really high profile. Athletes there have been, yeah, have passed away. That's yeah. right. Steve Gleason is the one played that, New, New, uh, New Orleans Saints. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, and he's done an incredible amount of outreach as far as um, helping. Uh, ALS research and helping uh, families who have ALS. Um, he's done a lot of great work. Um, yeah, that that is an interesting piece. Uh, yes, and that, and that is something that continues to be um, researched. The association would not be as high as you would suspect. You know, obviously um, there have been a couple studies, but it has not been as uh, repeated and replicated as much as you would think as it has been. So it sounds almost like a nature versus nurture debate. Almost, like, yeah. it, it, it's it's being explored, and I yeah. would I, I highly suspect that it is. But it, it's mm-hmm. ALS is a rare enough disorder that it is incredibly difficult to find associations like that. So fascinating. Okay, yeah. so so you're in all right, first two years of med school. Yeah, your classmates, you're going to class. I would argue a pretty social experience. Very much was so. Was it hard to step away 
and watch your kind of classmates oh, progress. Oh yeah, no, it's know, super hard. In the lab, like, tell me about it's, that. It's it's yeah. still hard. I I literally one of my uh, good friend actually. So I actually went to med school with your wife. I actually mm-hmm. ran into her the other day. Um, yeah, a lot of my friends are attendings now and like moving on with their careers. And it and then I and then I will run into him like, oh, you know, how you doing? I'm like, oh. Yeah, I'm I'm in third year medical school. So like it's it's which is great. I love third year, but it's it's it is difficult to kind of see uh my uh um people I went to medical school with moving on with their careers and being successful and 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 moving I hesitate to say moving on with their lives, but yeah, kind of moving on with their lives. And so that that has been difficult. And I think really the hardest one was that match day seeing all my friends getting excited it's like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to Stanford and all these cool places." And I'm like well, I'm, I'm here. still in the lab. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, it is, it is very difficult, um, to do, um, to, to, to deal with. And obviously you're super happy for your classmates and whatnot, but yeah, it's, it, it is challenging mm-hmm. to deal okay. with. <laughs> so let's kind, of, let's kind of talk about the match in a way. So yeah. when you're doing your PhD work, did you have some idea what kind of field you're going to choose i mean just and then you know before you re-enter the curriculum at third year i mean yeah you know i think that depends on everyone i think for me i wasn't 100 percent sure i'm assuming you're talking about medicine like what kind of medical yeah yeah yeah, i mean it it depends you know for me i i have been so largely undecided as to what i wanted to be you had five extra years to think about yeah (laughs) and i was all over the place there was a second i thought i wanted to do surgery which I'm not doing surgery, by the okay. way. Um, yeah, no, it changed a lot. For me, um, genetics is so widely applic- applicable to so many dis- different disciplines that for me, like, I felt safe in going that route because I could apply in so many different situations. But we have a lot of other students who, like, from the get-go, like, no, I want to do cancer research. And we have a lot of our students doing great cancer research up here. And that's highly applicable to what they want to do. Um, I'd argue, you know, it's not totally imperative that you line up your PhD interests with your MD interests. Um, and that I think a lot of the skills that are useful in the education of a PhD, um, can translate to lots of other things. You can pick up the technical skills of whatever it is you want to do. That's not the problem. It's like being able to think, um, in a scientific matter and like being able to like, I think the big thing about PhD is like really learning how to express your ideas in a coherent manner and explain to people why it's important, why we should research that. I think that's like the biggest thing to take away from PhD because that translates to your presentations and how you write grants. And so those skills translate to a lot of different areas. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily important to match it up, but some people do, some people don't. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So you were, did you always were thinking like, oh, you know, I love this cancer, I love this genetics. I mean, uh, yeah, that, I always that, knew that I loved to oncology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, I didn't know oncology was the end game, although I, I, I it wasn't always kind of in the mix. Um, but yeah, I always, I, I love genetic research, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to apply it to my practice in some way. And so, yeah, in this case, it works out perfectly, and that's exactly what I want to do: is is using genetic information to better treat my my cancer patients in the future. And was it hard coming back for third year as far as so hard? Oh my gosh. And, it, it, and, the schedule, and like all these third year medical students, your classmates, but you don't know any of them. Like, yeah. Like, well, I'll, I'll all of it. It's, yeah. it's different. Luckily the class I joined was great. I've mm-hmm. gotten along with everybody. So that, that kind of came naturally. I think the big things is like, you're looking at material you haven't looked at in like five years mm-hmm. and somebody, you, you'll get, you know, ask questions on rounds like, Oh, what is this? I'm like, I vaguely remember that word. Like, <laughs> like I remember, I know I knew that at some point, but I don't know it now. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I really, really, and I think it's true of most PhDs. You really got to study your butt off to, cause you're behind the game behind everyone you're you're with people who just took step one mm-hmm. and so they're at like the peak of their so medical stuff echoing the back of your yeah. Oh, yeah 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 like, oh, about this yeah i know like, this is a thing i know nothing about it though um yeah you really have to work your butt off to catch up to everybody else so um, your third year schedule what'd you start off with started with psych okay which i loved why'd I, you love it oh it was great first off it was a great transition in that like all the attendings are great and so mm-hmm. i wasn't getting killed in my lack of knowledge but the patients were great and it was just very a little bit more laid back it's yeah. very it's very laid back it wasn't this crazy like surgery schedule or something like that and it was just a great way to learn how to talk to patients again yeah so transition back <laughs> into the life of, yeah, exactly okay. so good good experience with psych what great was next? uh family okay also great um where, I, where were you at uh, I was actually just down the street. I was down here at the Salt Lake Clinic, the okay. ISG Clinic, which is great. I learned how to do a physical exam again. So mm-hmm. like, I learned how to talk to patients, learned how to do my physical exam again. Um, I would argue that psychiatry, we still use those skills, but <laughs> not as much as the family practice. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. I, would, yes I would say that is fair. Um, yes. Um, so family was great. Um, I Good. Did. I'm liking this. Yeah. It sounds like an easy start. Right, easy well, start. Yeah. It, it ramps it, up. Easier. I yeah. Guess, and then we did pediatrics. Okay. So harder. Glasgow yeah. team? Uh, no, I, I tried to get Glasgow. I missed okay. out, unfortunately. So no, I did Anderson, which is uh, like uh, taking care of infants and things okay. like that, which I, I enjoyed peds. Okay. Honestly, I have like third year in general. I've yet to have a rotation I really disliked. Okay. Um, and then I did, uh, I, flew, I did a brief elective in, rad, in radiation oncology. Ooh, talk about that. What uh, is radiation oncology for people who don't know? Yeah, that? so um, it's funny. So oncology, kind of when I think of on, like how you manage cancer um really there's like three different approaches to treating cancer there's the one i think most people think of as the medical approach to treating with chemotherapy or immunotherapy and things like that there's the surgical approach where we just cut the thing out um or there's the um radiation approach which is um kind of similar to cutting it out but like it's a lot less invasive and and you and it's really particularly useful if you have like a solid mass that is just kind of inoperable and not in a great place to be operating but you know kind of needs to get taken care of um so yeah that's kind of a three-pronged approach i think of Mm. of cancer treatment so that's what radiation oncologists do is they use a lot of imaging techniques to locate like where a tumor is and then devise like really complicated um, plans as to like how to deliver vectors. it. Yeah. Vectors. Like, there's a ton of physics in that. Actually, they work really close with uh, PhDs who have uh, – or, or people who have PhDs in physics. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, very technically complicated. Um To, deli- to yeah. deliver like as high of dosage – that is safe of radiation to a particular tumor without affecting surrounding structures. It's, it's, it was very fascinating. I think it's a really unknown field. I don't, it, think, it, I don't think medical students no. know that's like, it's its own residency. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty competitive. It's very not competitive. Many, not too many people know about it. No. It's very, very, very specialized. Yeah. It's yeah. very specialized. You don't get much exposure you just, to it. Literally, you just kill cancer all day. That's yeah. All you do. That's literally all you do. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. Pretty much all you cancer do. Cancer busters. Go cancer busters. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they have a pretty, they have a great life actually. Like it's very, it is a very competitive residency for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so. And then internal medicine or? Yeah. Uh, so let me see. I'm backing up. So Radonk, um, neuro, which I loved neuro. Neurology. Yeah. Okay. Neurology. Okay. Loved it. Um, part of me still thinks I should be a neurologist, but 
nah, you got some decisions coming up. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing medicine. And then I did OBGYN and then now I'm on medicine. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and and did you have that feeling like, oh, this is my home. Yeah. I love this. Mm -hmm. I got one week into it. It was like, this is it. This is it. I knew it. You found your people. Yeah. I found my people. I knew it. Yeah. Immediately. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. So. Uh, going to finish out third year here soon yep. and then uh-huh. start getting residency applications in order uh-huh. and then away you go. Away I go. Yeah, yeah. I'm off to wherever I'm going. No more PhD research presentations, no more conferences for the foreseeable future. Uh, no, actually I'm, I'm giving a, a talk in LA actually oh, good in, for you. In, in, at the end of April. Okay. So yeah. Is it, is it about the ALS? It is. Okay. Yeah. It was, right. it was kind of, as I alluded to this kind of new gene that we, that we found it's, it's kind of our, our coming out party, if you will, mm-hmm. sort of first time we're actually debuting kind of our work so um so even though you've done the phd work yeah you can't call yourself a doctorate yet yeah i can i do oh, can. i do oh, can. Okay. i do yeah i do have a i right. do have a, a I doctorate. yeah so i love doing this yeah yeah so yeah it's it is weird like because that's not true of all md phd programs where they are literally combined here it's like you do one and then you do the other okay. so yeah i do i do actually have a doctorate right now okay yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Good to call you dr Jonathan. i love it yeah all right last few questions uh any tips or advice for people thinking about applying to medical school or applying to any phd program yeah what would you say to them so those are two i would say those are two different they're similar but different in that um i think with medical school and i'm, and I'm sure you've stressed this a lot it really is your passion for whatever it is you're interested in, in really does come through on your application and what you're passionate in might not be the same thing as somebody else. And so mm-hmm. you could be super passionate about serving underserved populations in Africa or something like that. You've done a ton of research about it and you want to continue doing that in med school. And that's where your application is, is around is based around. Awesome. For MD PhD, that's probably not going to float you as much in mm-hmm. that. Like we're what and strong MD PhD applicants, we really want to see you very passionate about medical and, and, and um, biological research. It's a long road. And like, if you're not fully in, you're so going to burn out. Um, it, it, really, it's a long road. Um, and so typically things we look at, you know, typical things, you know, MCAT scores are important. We want to see that you did well in your, in your classes, um, obviously you want to see that you're a well-rounded person you've done shadowing. And of course, you know, the things you want to do for med school, however, I would argue like those things are like not heavily as weighted. Really what we want to see is that you've spent a considerable amount of time, at, at least a year usually in a basic science lab. And so, um, and when I, and, and that doesn't mean like a chemistry lab, which, you know, chemistry is great, but really much more biologically applied. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of things we're looking for. Obviously, if you have publications, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly helps. It yeah. certainly helps. Is it required? Nope, it's not. Um, we just want to see that that you've taken the time to really think about this and and have actually experienced doing work in a lab. Um, other things. Um, other than that, yeah. Other, like, I don't know. Do one well your MCAT. That always helps. Yeah. Um, do one well your classes. That always helps. Um, do things. Yeah, I think pa- you said like stay engaged in the community. Stay yeah. engaged. The community is super important. Um, and that, yeah, like do um, do what you enjoy. Like I realize med school applications are super stressful, but you'll look back and like how they remember them, like I do. Now I it's I barely remember it. Um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, like in the end, do what makes you happy. And that will come through on your application. And, you know, of course, you're going to have to bite the bullet on some things you don't want to do. But, you know, 
focus okay. on things you want to do. So. That's awesome. All right, yeah. last question, Jonathan. Yeah. I want to hear some basketball stories. Oh, no. All right. Oh, so, no. <laughs> seven, is, is, is that even – is that power forward? What, yeah, what power forward. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, power forward center. That's, they call that the four now, right? That's, yeah, that, four, that's, yeah. That's, that's the lingo. That is the four. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what was your best game? Oh man, I didn't play a whole time. I was a walk on. I didn't play. So I mean, I guess we want to go by the stats. So okay, uh, let's, let's talk about this. So you're on the bench. Yeah. And are you like coach? Put me in. Coach me in. Or are you kind no. of for blowout? So that way you get in. Or yeah, you're rooting for no. You, well, what's like, the mentality? The mentality is like I hope we come out and crush the te- crush this team so I can or, go out there. Or yeah. I, I'll <laughs> say this: you nod, or that your team gets crushed is being crushed. Um, then you get in, or, you know, or is it more likely for you to go in if you're the crusher? Yeah, or the if we're, if, if much more likely if we're the crusher. Okay, I don't know if I got in too much for getting crushed. Not often, sometimes, but not often. So, what's the definition of, of crushed uh, by twenty points? Twenty, or? yeah. yeah. And it, well, and it depends on what point in the game too. Like, yeah. So, if you're up twenty with like five minutes to go, yeah, I'd say you, I'd say you're probably sitting pretty good. Um, and, and when you go out there, is it like you're having fun because the game's been decided or you're just nervous you're going to screw up or you're really like, oh, I hope I really impress someone and they give me some more minutes? I mean, what's No, what's once you're out there, it's just, I mean, obviously it's a very intense environment and you were, you know, expected to do well. But, and so, you know, I can't, I wish I could say you're going out there super loose, but you're not like you are, you're engaged and like, yeah, you, you really do want to do well out there. But like. I don't know. At the same time, like, yeah, you're, you're, you don't get to do this much and you're really trying to just cherish that. Cause and, the game's not really on the line. No, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot less pressure. Um, but, uh, at the same, yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting, I guess, is what it is. It's a lot of a rush of adrenaline and you do it like when you first get out there, I have to take a second to just like, just breathe. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your best game? Oh man! Can, can, can I say it? Was, was this considered garbage points? Or what, what yeah, it, it was total garbage okay. points. Okay. Yeah, I would say probably. Oh man, probably Colorado State. I think was visiting us. Actually, yeah, I think it was. Uh, no, no, it wasn't our senior night. It was not. Um, although I, oh, I missed a tip dunk in that one. I was super upset about our senior night. Um, senior night is where they try to get all the seniors in, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think it was my senior year, and Colorado State came in. I had a few, I had a few buckets, okay. and I had a couple blocks. So yeah, I, yeah, it was a pretty Some good dunks. game. Uh, I never dunked, not in college game. Like I said, I had one at T, uh, when TCU visited for senior night. I, I should have put away, but just got away from me. Um, jacking up any three pointers or that? No, nah, that was that. Would, yeah, that would get me sent back to the bench. <laughs> I would get a lot of weird looks if I did that. Okay. That was not my game. <laughs> yeah. Is, and, and, uh, while you're on the team, beat BYU or we did, okay. yeah. No, right. BYU was actually they, so we were in the same conference at that point. We were in the Mountain West, and so I think we split my senior year. We split home and away, so we won there. We won, we won here. They won there because they never lost at their home at that time. Was that the most like kinetic energy? Oh yeah, it gets rocking there, and that was when Jimmer was still there. Oh, wow. um, and so yeah, it got rocking in there, uh-huh. Marriott. Yeah, that place, oof, it got rocking yeah. for sure. Um, to and, the point where like you know, feeling the bench move, feeling like yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, like sure, yeah, floor shaking, like shaking. You, uh, you, you literally, you cannot hear across the court, like it's it's gets loud. Um, although I would say not the loudest place I played, but it gets loud. What's in the there. last place you played? Probably the Pit, New Mexico. Oh wow, that place. Yeah, that, that's that's infamous. Yeah, it yeah. did. I, apparently they've changed the stadium now, but yeah, like in the day they pack seventeen thousand in there, and it's a, not a very big gym, and it would get rocking in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. 
Awesome. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. it. So well, Jonathan, I uh, appreciate you coming in. Um, we'll have to do this again, especially as we lead up to match day. Absolutely, it's, be happy it's to. Be fantastic. Yeah, Thank I'm you. very excited. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.